House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres. Welcome back into the House of Mystery. I'm Al Warren. Now we have Mr. Michael Hawley co-hosting today. How you doing, Al? I am always good, even when I'm bad. <laughs> That's right. And so, so the world has to put up with me for one more year for sure. That's right. It's great. We're well, still glad, here. I'm glad everyone's <laughs> happy. But, yeah, I've signed again with NBC, so I'll be doing another year with them. And we'll see from them. I'm just taking it a year at a time, you know. But uh, we're having such a good time. Yeah. I know. Do they realize that your co-hosts are making you or what? No. I mean, you know, <laughs> well, you know, it's your opportunity. You guys can all just turn into stars through this, you know. That's right. That's I right. disappear, and then you're on. You guys can all be. Actually, everybody that's on the show is very talented, very good at what they do. I think uh, each and every one of them could be doing their own thing. So you never oh, know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. You'll be on Dancing <laughs> with the Stars. Oh, maybe not that. <laughs> Actually, I saw you. You did a pretty good dance when you had your daughter at that wedding and stuff. Oh, and yeah. Oh, yeah. Was, you know, yeah. I've been known to do a few things here, here and there, but uh, I usually keep it private. Just, you know, I don't want to show, I'll show off my skills too much. <laughs> I was pretty impressed. I was, uh, and only that's being a good dad. You're, you're a good dad. So. <laughs> Thanks, proud, well, proud we have you. six, so. Yeah, and you're like, what, now 78? <laughs> no, I'm exactly the same age as you, <laughs> and we are <laughs> 61. <laughs> no, I'm not 61 yet. Oh, that's right, I'm June, your elder. June, you're the old man. <laughs> uh, that's right. It's catching up. So I live in Buffalo, and I'm really close to Oakville, Ontario, and then uh, that's where Hannah's from. That's right. Oh, yes. yeah. There you go. We've got you got a connection with the guest. That's right. I always consider Toronto, Hamilton, and Buffalo kind of a tri-city area. I agree. It's not not far at all. So, well, welcome to the show, Hannah. Thanks, Hannah Marie McKinnon, and we're going to be. Uh, you've got a new book called The Revenge List, which I'm sure that I'm on it, and uh, <laughs> uh, it'll. It's glad to have you. So I didn't realize. So you're Canadian. I am. I don't sound very Canadian, um, obviously. <laughs> Uh, but I've lived in Canada for almost 13 years now. My husband's Canadian. We've been married for almost 24. Uh, but I'm originally from the UK, grew up in Switzerland, and then we moved here in 2010. So I, I am Hannah Mary McKinnon, collector of passports. <laughs> well, why would you move uh, to Canada? Why would you marry a Canadian? <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, truth be told, we we met in the dark ages of the internet in '99 by accident in a chat room. The first night I had the internet installed at my house, or I had the internet connected, I should say, and um, we we married five months after meeting online, ten weeks after meeting face to face. I was not pregnant. I often get that funny look. <laughs> um, and he's the love of my life. So what can I say? So we moved to Canada when he, he moved to Switzerland and 11 years later, 11 years and three kids later, he was a stay at home dad and I was working corporate and we decided we needed a bit of a change. So we decided to come to Canada. And if I had not come to Canada, I don't think I would be writing. So there's that too. Well, uh, so you were prowling around on the internet first night in 1999 when <laughs> things were so primitive. You were already getting, she was already looking for a date. Less of the prowling. The funny thing is, what happened was a friend of mine came over and, and he hooked, hooked me up to the internet. This was the era of dial-up modems you know, when that, they made that screechy noise. And yeah. Oh, yeah. you could only be, you could be online or on the phone, but not both at the same time. Yeah. Those days. And so you get yeah, yeah. Hey, well. yeah, it was, it was bad. And he, so he set it all up and he said, look, there's, um, there's this chat site called ICQ. And I said, what, what is a chat site? And he said, well, it's people, you know, sad people like you who don't go out on a Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> and you could chat with people all over the world. And I thought this was extraordinary. How cool was that, that you could connect with people? And, of course, ICQ at the time was, um, I guess, was it Windows-based or DOS? I don't know, whatever it was based, but there were no no photographs. There, there oh, yeah. was, 
It was very rudimentary, and I ran a search in the 20s to 30s category, because I was 27 at the time, and up popped Rob's profile. It said, 28-year-old Canadian, living life to the fullest, because you never know when it might end. His username was Razor, so I sent him a message that said, Hi, Razor, you sound pretty sharp. <laughs> Grown, and, and that was it. That was, I met the love of my life that night, and there you go. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Totally unexpected. <laughs> Jeez, you know, I used to go on the ICQ too, but I, 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 I wasn't meeting a Razor. I was meeting like Leather Daddy and stuff. <laughs> it's nice too. Uh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, yeah, it was kind of fun. It was kind of fun, but you just never. Yeah, it was so much more primitive than now. You know. Oh, absolutely. So yeah, absolutely. Amazing. Completely. Well, I'm Canadian too. You know. Oh, are you? I didn't know. That. Yeah. That's why he was slamming on Canadians. <laughs> yeah. I'm known as they, they're always telling me to go home in the U.S. Oh. <laughs> they, they send me emails and tell me, you, you go back to Canada, you leftist, you know, leftist commie, you socialist. Yeah. Oh, well, you'd be in good company if you were here then, so I guess. So, revenge list. Now, this, so you've got the love of your life. You're, you have no problem going on a computer and finding men. And, just the and one. Then you, well, <laughs> yeah, just, just the one. I, well, you know, this is what you tell us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but now you're, you're writing domestic thriller. Mm -hmm. so, so, so you're getting in, into this. Uh, so, revenge list. This sounds kind of mean. What is the revenge list? So the revenge list is the story of a woman called Frankie whose anger management group therapy exercise goes horribly, horribly wrong. So she ends up in anger management therapy because of a situation that happens at work. She works for her dad in construction as a project manager. And um, he strongly suggests that she go to... to anger management uh, group therapy and she does uh, reluctantly the first evening she's tasked with writing a forgiveness list so think of a list of people who have wronged you in the past and who you could work to forgive well Frankie makes the list but she doesn't really want to forgive anyone on it because they're all nasty people so she thinks nothing of it when this list disappears in an uber initially until the people on that list, one by one, start having, hmm, let's call them accidents, or are they? So something has gone oh, terribly cool. awry with this list. And the big, big problem is that she put her own name on the list. Because oh. her past self is the one person she will never be able to forgive. And now she's in trouble. So she's got a hit list, and she's on it. That's right. <laughs> It's supposed to be a forgiveness list, right? A private exercise, but then someone gets hold of it and decidedly goes um, a little bit more public with it. So when did Hannah write this list, or Frankie write this list? <laughs> <laughs> so I wrote ah. the book last year, um, <clears throat> and it's quite funny. I was asked earlier today how I came up, how I came up with the idea. Normally I can pinpoint a news article or something I heard on the radio or something that, that, that sparks an idea. But with the revenge list, it was a little bit different because I, I had an idea for a book that I thought was really cool. And my agent thought it was really cool. And we sent a one paragraph, actually, no, I think a two-page outline to my editor. And she said, nah, I kind of like it, but but I'm not sure it's high concept enough. And what else have you got? So I thought, well, okay, I've got something else in my back pocket. What about this one? And we did that three times. And each time my editor said, mm, I don't know, not quite. That doesn't feel right. What else have you got? And she, she said with the last one, no, it, the idea is that they're good, but they just feel too quiet. And I remember sitting in my, my back garden thinking, too quiet? I'll give you too quiet. And then this, this angry character, just Frankie, just popped into my mind. And I thought, wow, what would you do if you had an anger management therapy exercise that just went horribly wrong? Because um, you've got a bunch of angry people in the same room. So what would that look like? What could happen? How bad could that get? Um, and that was that was it. I was off and everybody agreed that they liked the idea. And uh, here we are. <laughs> Is your, is your editor on that list? or 
Oh, she's lovely. And she was right. She was absolutely right. So, yes, I, wrote, I didn't write it a year ago. I wrote it. When did I write it? Two years ago I started because I, I handed it in. always hand it in oh. before it publishes. So, so you were COVID angry. <laughs> but would you believe I have had, now let me see, Sister Dear published in 2020. So that was my first pandemic release, but not written during the pandemic. Then there was You Will Remember Me that was written pre-pandemic but published in 2021. Then there was Never Coming Home that I wrote. That was my pure pandemic book, uh, written in 2020, published in 2022. So The Revengeless is, yeah, you know, it, this is another. It's not a, It doesn't feel like a pandemic release, though, because things have more or less gone back to normal, uh, for which I'm very grateful. So I don't think there was any... Maybe a little bit, because we come out of lockdown, so I think things were more or less getting back to normal slowly. Um, right. I'm not an right. angry person. I just, I just enjoyed writing an angry character. You weren't, you weren't <laughs> driving around with a big semi truck and flag, flags on and no. all that stuff. No, I was not. No, no. Oh, I just my, want to make sure. No, I get my frustrations out on the page. That's why I think um, murder mystery or crime writers. Are such lovely people because we, you know, we just get all of our grudges out on the page if we have any. Do you find yourself creating characters or having characters in your books that are kind of derived from people you've run across in your life that maybe aren't so nice? Generally not. No, I think. No. I think in my my first book, which was a rom com, funnily enough, uh, a romantic comedy. That one I pulled probably more um, from from my, although it's a, it's Groundhog Day meets Sliding Doors, so there's a paranormal aspect. So obviously I didn't go through a Groundhog Day experience. Um, but after that, my job is to I feel very strongly that it's my job to make stuff up. So while I might pinch a thing here or there, a little detail. Um, from somebody I know or something or for myself or within my family, it would only be a detail. I would never pluck somebody from my life fully formed and drop them into my book. There's one exception to that a little bit. So in, in Her Secret Son, I have a, a family lawyer and I contacted, I Googled um, family lawyers in upstate New York, plumped for one of them sent uh, a contact, filled in a contact form. And within about 10 minutes, I got a call back because I'd said that I was, I'm an author and I was looking for uh, 15 minutes of, of advice and in return for um, naming them as, naming one of the, one of the characters after, after whoever I spoke to. And one of the partners called me within about 10 minutes, no word of a lie. He called me back and he said, I see every contact form that comes in. And as soon as I saw yours, I said, stop touching that contact form. That one's mine. I want that one. <laughs> and he called me and his name was Harlan Gingold, which is the most perfect name for this character. So, of course, the lawyer in the book is is wonderful, which Mr. Gingold, the, the real Mr. Gingold was too. Um, so I took a couple of, of, of his traits. But other than that, no, it, it's I love making stuff up. That's what I'm paid to do. That's my job. So I, I don't I don't go around looking at people thinking, Oh, I'm gonna put you in my book. <laughs> yeah. You know you know someone doesn't cut you off in traffic and you put them in and kill them in your book. <laughs> no, 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 definitely not. And no, definitely not. And hey, you know, maybe if they they cut me off in traffic they've got something more urgent to do than I do, so it happens. Oh, you see you're far too nice. Yeah, well, <laughs> And so that's curious to be having being far too nice and having dealing with anger like that. You must have had to get your rage out. <laughs> well, it was it was a really interesting book to write, actually, to write from and and potentially contentious because writing from an angry woman's point of view doesn't necessarily resonate with everyone. And, and funny enough, I, I had a couple of comments I saw. Um, people say that, oh, you know, she's she's really the character's really angry, and I'm thinking, well, it says the revenge list on the front, so it's not it's not going to be um, all happiness and cuddles, and <laughs> it also says, oh, does it say, um, 
I'm wondering, oh yes, on the back it says she finds herself at her very first anger management group session. So if someone's in anger management, they're probably going to be angry. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Which is very oh, long. Yeah. What was really important to me while I was writing the book was that Frankie has this forgiveness list, this list of people who she doesn't actually want to forgive. And there's a reason why the people are on this list. So I took a lot of time thinking about the circumstances, her circumstances, her past, and why she would write these names so that the reader understands why she is the way she is and how she has become the way she is and why she makes potentially some not brilliant choices throughout throughout the story. So when I have, oh gosh, I hate the term unlikable character, but if I have a character that, that's maybe not the best or behaves in the best way, for me, it's really important that the, the uh, readers understand why. Because I think you have a lot more leeway with readers when they know and understand the reason why the characters are doing things and saying things that they're doing and saying. Well, I think that's important. And, and especially when someone was, is angry or they're doing bad things or they're thinking bad things, or um, it's important because quite often those characters believe in what they're doing is is the right thing yes. to do. So you, you got to have people help them understand yes. why they think that or why they're in that place. Because too often when it doesn't happen with a character, you just think they're insane because there's no detail. You don't know why they're driven. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I think, so last year's book, Never Coming Home, is written from, from the, ga the bad guy's point of view. And you know right from the beginning, even said on the back of the book, this, the line on the back is missing wife, happy life. So that sets the tone of the book, <laughs> um, which I actually floated as a joke and everybody at the publisher loved it and it ended up on the back of the book. And, and that, it, it sets the tone. It's supposed to be wry and funny, even though it's crime fiction. Um, but it's a big ask for me to ask my readers, hey, come along for the ride and um, come along with Lucas, who has ha hired a hitman on the dark web to kill his very rich but equally annoying wife. Equally so, it's a big ask to say to a reader, come along for the ride with Frankie on the revenge list. Um, by the way, she does have, she's not angry throughout 360 pages. That would be exhausting for her, me, and the reader. Uh, but there are, there are bouts. It does, it does flare up. So, Knowing that it's a big ask to have the reader come along with, with me and my characters on that journey, I need to give them detail as to why people are doing these things. So so I, I, I hope um, that readers will understand them. They might not like them, but at least they understand them. Right. And with Frankie, so that character, you know, screamed at you and you kind of, obviously with that book, you, with the revenge list, you started with the character. Yes, 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 and, I think yeah. I did. Yeah, that's the, a character in the situation, yes. Right, right. So how, how is it you typically find yourself writing? Is it character first, or is it situation or plot, or is it even setting? Because some people like to start with a, a place that they're in. That's a great question, and I think it depends on the book. So for the last two, for The Revenge List and for Never Coming Home, it was more character. Um for the event, the uh, for never coming home, I really, really wanted to write a book from the bad guy's point of view and see if I could turn the audience to liking him, despite knowing they shouldn't. That was that was my aim, um, and a lot of feedback it was. I like Lucas, I know I shouldn't, but I like him, and I almost wanted him to get away or want him to get away with everything he's done and, and, and is doing. So that was really fun. And with Frankie, it was, it was as, yes, as I mentioned, the, the, um, the character, really, and, and immediately thereafter, the situation. With some of my other books, it's been something I've heard on the radio, you know, um, and then <laughs> and then trying to figure out how it could go horribly wrong. Um, so it really, the neighbours, I'm just thinking of that one because of where I'm sitting, um, the, where I write is, has a bay window that overlooks the courtyard that we live on. And there are nine houses on the circle. Two went up for sale, quick succession. And I was looking out the window at the for sale signs thinking, oh, I wonder who's going to move in. And 
Oh, dear Lord, what, what if it was an ex-boyfriend? You know, how bad could that be? How <laughs> awkward could that be? So it was, it, that was really, I guess that was the setting at that point. So it really varies from book to book. Yeah, yeah. we actually have the neighbor of your property on the line right now. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's not an ex-boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's not what he said. No. <laughs> Oh, oh, I knew I should have paid him more. Yeah, <laughs> you should have. You should have put him on the list. Yes, I should have put him on the list. He might well be on the list now. <laughs> mm, no, it's 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 it, the whole thing is interesting. What? Do you, but what's your relationship with your character then? And I ask that because fiction writers of all uh, seem to have the most unusual relationships developed with their characters like some will tell me they're like kids and they're like family and they're like whatever and then some will say well i hear them their voices in my head or mm -hmm. they see them like in a movie and stuff so so what's your particular case with your characters i think angry anna <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i think when when i'm deep in the edits um, about as deep as you can get when you're you're almost at the end, and and this is this is before uh, it goes to my editor for structurals and and um, line edits and copy and proof and all that. So when I'm really still crafting the story and getting to know these characters, and I'm almost at the end. Honestly, if Frankie had had walked into the room, I would have said, "Oh, hey, Frankie, how's it going? Cup of coffee." You know, it, it it was that level of intimacy in a way, I guess, just that I, I knew who she was, I knew her backstory, I knew um, the outcome for her, I knew the future. So it was just, they become essentially part of me. And there have been occasions, I remember when I wrote Her Secret Son, and the book was done. So it was completely done, copy edits, proof, the whole lot, everything was, was finished and over. I remember thinking, oh, I'm going to miss hanging out with Josh because he was such a good guy. You know, he was a he was a nice guy. He was a kind guy. And in the neighbors, I felt really bad for Nate, one of the one of the main characters, because I put him through hell and back. And I felt I felt guilty. I felt guilty that I that that I made these things happen to him. So it's. They become they become a large a large part of me, I guess. And yeah, I talk to them, I have conversations with them, um, mm. or I have I hear the characters have having conversations with one another, and I'm observing. So it's very that makes me sound really odd, but I promise. Yeah, do they do they let you drive? <laughs> it's not that bad, <laughs> you know. I well, I mean. You know, driving down the road, you, do they do they tell you to do things, and you sort of end up? No. Yeah. Have you woken up in the in the middle of the night, and there's like um, a shovel and muddy shoes by the bed? Well, I hope to goodness not, but I do suffer from suffer suffer is a big word. I do have parasomnia. So, for those who don't know what parasomnia is, it basically means that you do really weird stuff while you're asleep and have no recollection of it in the morning. Absolutely none. And the way a sleep study doctor explained it to me, he said, he sat me down and he said, okay, you have parasomnia. I said, what's that? And he said, okay, it, basically you're like a whale. And I said, hang on a minute, that's a bit rude. <laughs> he said, okay, okay, like an albatross then, if that's any better. So, you know how whales can, an albatross can, can swim and fly? They basically shut half of their brain off. One brain is, half of the brain is still swimming or flying in the case of the bird. And the other half is, is asleep. And he said, that's essentially what happens to you. And I have, I have never played a round of golf in my life apart from mini golf, which doesn't really count, I think. But there was one night, allegedly, because I always, I always wonder if they're just winding me up, but allegedly I was out of bed, standing in the middle of the room, in my pyjamas, with my eyes open, and this is the freaky part, with my eyes open, with a, an invisible golf club in my hand, having shouted four, and I was now looking for the golf ball. So it's very weird. And I, and I have been known to, to do really some really weird stuff. They're shouting and screaming. And that's also when, when things are getting really intense in my books, I think. 
that I'm that I'm now dreaming about the books to the extent, or working on the books in my sleep to the extent that that I don't know, maybe I'm acting out scenes or something. I don't know it's very weird. But shovels and and you know bin bags and stuff and duct tape. No, mm. thank you. Can we have proof of life of your husband? Or? <laughs> He's fine, I promise. He's just making dinner, right. actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I see. See, they, even though they met in in the late nineties and and they've been together ever since, that's because he tied up in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Wow. Now we're, you see, we're finding out real stuff. <laughs> so Hannah, I have a question about, uh, uh, how about research? Do you like, do you go in a lot of research when you start writing something like this? Yeah. So I, I do. Um, typically what I do with my process is I'll, I'll I might do a little bit, uh, but not, I, I don't do all too much research at the beginning because, I'll disappear down rabbit holes, not knowing if anything that I'm researching is actually going to make it into the book or make it make the cut. So I'll I'll write a really really rubbish first draft, and maybe <laughs> do a little bit of research, but then have placeholders and you know, research amnesia for you will remember me, for example. And for the revenge list specifically, um, <laughs> I was asked today if I went to an anger management session just to have a look and and I the answer is no I, w I wouldn't have done that I wouldn't have invaded people's privacy just being there for research but I did speak to a number of, of psychologists to, to make sure that I got that the anger management therapy exercise seems right um, and interestingly I also took a course with Sheridan College that's here in the greater Toronto area an online course, Criminal Minds, um, Psychopathic Minds. And there was a section about anger in that. And I found that so interesting because anger is an emotion that's generally perceived as, as hugely negative, but it isn't a valid emotion just like any other, like love or happiness or jealousy or, or take your pick. And through this course, uh, it was really interesting the way that the, the, the teacher framed it. He said, you know, it's not anger in itself that, that's destructive. It's what you do with it, how you handle it. Um, and that can be destructive towards others, property or yourself or, or all of the above. And I thought that was really, really interesting. Um, and I tried to work that into the manuscript without giving anything away. Um, there's a situation for, for Frankie where her anger is actually helpful, which one might not have expected as she's in in anger management therapy so that was that was really interesting and and taking the course what was funny was i came up with the idea for the revenge list before i took the course and i guess it was serendipitous it just worked out that way do you consciously think about how you write let's say violence and sex on on the page in your book i do so i, I don't I, I think i had more sex in my first couple of books than I do now. And uh, it's not that I'm averse to it. It's just that I'll, I'll put in whatever the story needs. Um, and in the revenge list, I don't think, that, no, there isn't any because it didn't, it didn't call for it. Um, there's maybe a, a hint of it in, in never coming home, but it didn't, it, the sex scenes weren't required. And in terms of violence, I, I don't write, gore you know i'm not i'm, I'm not I, I just don't i don't particularly mm. enjoy enjoy reading um or watching gore so I, d I tend not to write it either so there's yeah there's there's some i mean frankie gets into some sticky situations where there's a bit of violence um but it's never it's never extreme or gory so i'm quite uh, basically i i would write what i would like to read the way i would like to read it i think that's that's probably how how I approach it. It's always more fun doing it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pass on the violence part. <laughs> yeah. The violence and gore are much more fun in real life than, than just writing it, you know. Um, so what is, what is the meaning when you put to, you know, a book together? And I mean, uh, obviously you come up with a character and, you, and all of a sudden there's the story and the setting and all that stuff. But at the end of the book, someone someone goes out and buys, let's say, the revenge list, mm -hmm. and uh, they read it. And besides the entertainment part of it uh, that that you've done, 
is there is there something else you want people to understand or get or take away from that book? You know, generally, I I always say that I write to entertain. Um, I don't typically think, oh, I want to address this issue through my book. I want people to learn this through my book. Although I guess with with the revenge list, um, if people read it, they might think about their own anger, how they approach their own anger, or, or hold grudges, for example. Is it is it healthy? Um, can I let stuff go? Um, but there isn't always a meaning like that in my books. I mean, <laughs> take Never Coming Home, you know, what what was the meaning of that one? Um, do a better job hiring a hitman on the dark web to take out your enemy. No, I don't think so. Um, so <laughs> well, that's pretty no. important. <laughs> Um, in next year's book, I have a I have a thriller that's about the rise and demise of an all female pop rock group. I should say the rise and violent demise because things don't go well. And I think that one's probably got the strongest undercurrent of a message in all of my books, which really is um, about fame and social media and how that affects us. Um, right. But I don't typically think, oh, you know, I'm going to educate people through my book about this. That's no. That, it's, no. It's, but sometimes, sometimes it comes organically, right? Yes. Like you're not, you're not sitting there consciously going, well, this is an important yes. topic and I think this is important and we have to talk about this. But sometimes you're just writing a story, and yeah. at the end of it, organically, something's come out of it that's yeah. kind of, wow, and you that know, really means something. Sometimes it's also the readers that will say, oh, you know, I, 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 I read your book, and, and this, is what, this is how it impacted me, um, which I find so, so interesting, um, because everybody who picks up a book, whether it's mine or yours or anybody else's, they bring their own backstory to the pages and they will read it with their own experiences in mind and and it might resonate with them, it might not. Um, they might have a really strong reaction to it, they might not. And it can be good or bad um, or indifferent. So so there's that to consider as well. I think sometimes sometimes it's readers in their reviews, you know, they'll say, oh, I, 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 um, I read this book and... And um, this is how it affected me, and, and, and I'll think, oh wow, gosh, that that's so interesting because that wasn't that wasn't even top of mind when I when I wrote it, but I can see right. how that would how that would work. Yeah. Well, that's strange. It maybe works for you. The only thing I get on my books is they were reading it in some bathroom somewhere, and because <laughs> that's the only place they put mine. You know, oh. <laughs> shopping mall bathrooms. Well, actually, I do because that's the only way I can get them distributed. Oh, <laughs> well, there's a lot of bathrooms in the world. See, there well, you go. You know, yeah. that was my marketing genius, and and I got like six number ones because of that. You know, I went to every bathroom in the country. Yeah, true crapper book. That's right. yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> Well, how does this, how does each book affect and change you, Bud? Now that's, that's the key here because now we can talk about how readers can spot things and sometimes get things out that you didn't even realize were in there. But what about you yourself? So each time you complete a book, like let's say we can go to the revenge list, mm -hmm. you finish it, you get it in and now it's come out. Where are you? Like what, what, what's changed about you? With the revenge list in particular, um, yeah, that's a good start. That's a really good question. I'm not sure. That's why I'm on NBC. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, how has that changed me? I think. Well, you know, and it can go in different ways because quite often, you know, when you see, because even for myself, and I know Michael knows this, when you go through the process of a book, there's, you know, there's the research part, then there's the painstaking trying to write the you know the dialogue and trying to get the story you know this it's quite a process just the whole thing yes and and not even the editorial part but just when you're going through the process of putting it on to the paper um and you go through emotions while you're doing this. yes not always happy <laughs> yes you know and so when you go all through that you also learn something each time you do a book, I find there's always something I take away from a book 
um, where the next book is going to take advantage of what I've done in this book. Yes. So whatever you went through in the revenge list usually sets you up so that the next book you do will actually be different because of the revenge list. Yes, yes, that's true. I think what happened with this one, um, as I was brainstorming the plot and bouncing things around, um, I'm a heavy plotter anyway, but I, I went even more detailed and I was able to write the book quite quickly. And Never Coming Home was pretty quick too. The revenge list was pretty quick. And I thought, okay, uh, one was a fluke, two coincidence. Can I do that again? And, and I have. So I think with each book, I've learned to trust my instincts and my process and my writing that little bit more. And if I feel a scene isn't working, even though I've plotted it out and it's not working, whatever, I might just skip ahead, which is what I always advise people to skip ahead if, they, if you know what happens next. Even if it's the end, who cares? It doesn't have to be written the same, in the same um, linear fashion it's read. And from that perspective, from a technical perspective, that, that would be my answer. And then otherwise, I think in conjunction with the course that I took about criminal minds, psychopathic minds, I think it made me more empathetic actually, um, towards people who might have, uh, who are dealing with anger, might have anger issues. As I mentioned, if somebody cuts me off in traffic, well, you know, it could be their kid's really sick or they've just received a really devastating phone call that I know absolutely nothing about. So them cutting me off is probably not personal. Um, it might be, well, it's not personal because I don't know who I am. So it's not, it's never personal. So I, th I think it's probably... The Revenge List, funnily enough, writing about anger made me more empathetic toward it. Right. I think I think that's important I think in a sense that I think what happens to all of us as we write is we learn something about our own feelings mm -hmm. as we're putting stuff on, even if it's for other people. You sort of, you force your own mind to go through some of these things. Yes. And And I think that brings out feelings that we might not have, understood or realized we had yes agreed you know that's like when i when i plagiarize al's books and he doesn't know about it yet what happens it makes me feel a lot oh am i talking out loud <laughs> oh there you go you see you know i put him on the revenge list here <laughs> there you go don't well, make that's... revenge lists people it's not helpful don't do it see there's the meaning See, that's you it. got the I subtext get, right there. Don't I gotta do get it. to my class, my Are you, revenge class. <laughs> yeah, your revenge class. He's, he's giving them. You know. <laughs> well, what, 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 so what makes a good book for Hannah? Like when you're on the reading side of it, like what, what keeps you reading a book, and sometimes even more than once. Do you know what? I really like books. Uh, obviously, you know the classic stuff that make you turn the pages and whatnot for sure. Um, I like books, especially in thrillers, that that still have an element of humor. Could just be a few one-liners or whatever. Um, that I really find in, enjoyable. I like quirky characters, you know. I like also reading from the bad person's perspective. I think that's 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 really interesting. Have you ever, have you, you know, with these books you've written, or, and maybe not any of these, but maybe there were some others that haven't come out, um, but have you ever been in the middle of a story or writing a story where all of a sudden, halfway through it, you just don't know where to go? You just You just can't finish it? Typically not, because I plot so heavily. Um, so when I, when I plot, the first thing, other than character and whose story is this, is the situation. Where are they? Where's, who's the main character? Where are they um, physically, geographically, and, and mentally, really, at the beginning? And equally so, where are they at the end? So I'll have my two anchor points. Um, I'll have my beginning, I'll have my end, everything else is really fuzzy and has got to be mm -hmm. filled in, but I, I find it very difficult to even plot if I don't know or, or think I know, because things shift as I plot and I write, um, what is going to happen to these people at the end. So I, I, I might, 
I might be writing a scene and, and think, oh, I'm just not feeling this scene. There's just something, it's not working. I don't know why. But I know what happens in the next chapter or the one after because I've plotted it out. So I'll go and write that and then I'll either come and work on what's not, not working or change it altogether. But it'll still mesh in with um, probably mostly 90% or whatever. I might have to make a few adjustments to, to the other stuff I've written. But I don't, I, I plot beforehand. I don't plot on the page. I find it extraordinary authors who... Hank Philippi Ryan, a good friend of mine, she'll get up and and she doesn't know what's going to happen in a book and she's excited to find out what happens and she has no idea. Um, I couldn't write that way because I think I'd spend an awful lot of time just wandering around, lost, like being in a forest without a map. I don't know where I'm going. Do you have beta readers to help you out too? Sometimes. Um, it depends really on on the deadline. Um, but generally, yes, I might have somebody, uh, I had a couple of people read The Revenge List um, pretty quickly, really, before it went to my editor because the timeline was short. But it's not, it's not mm -hmm. line edits, it's more of um, uh, Alex or A.F. Brady, she's a psychologist, so she read The Revenge List to make sure I hadn't messed stuff up, you know, too bad yeah. on that side. Um, so it's not the detail, it, it's more of a, this, does this scene, does it, does it work? Uh, and she's been wonderful, actually. She's done that for, for a couple of my books now, and I really okay. appreciate her insights and help. Now, do you have social media presence? Are you big with interacting with fans and readers, and you're on TikTok dancing and all that stuff, <laughs> and a no website doubt. and all that, or, or, no. or are you not that way? No, I'm on, I'm on social media. So I'm on, on Twitter as Hannah M. McKinnon. I'm on Facebook and Instagram as Hannah Mary McKinnon, my website as well, of course, hannahmarymckinnon.com. Um, and I also, speaking about Hank, we run First Chapter Fun. So First Chapter Fun uh, is every Tuesday, 12.30 p.m. Eastern on Facebook and Instagram. And we read the first chapter of a different novel, not ours, only when they're released. So we'll be reading from the Revenge List really soon. It's a half an hour. So we introduce the author, the book, um, the author interacts with viewers in the comments, so they're not on live on, on camera. And we, and we read the first chapter. And I started this in 2020 when the pandemic first, or when lockdowns first hit Canada, actually, um, because I, I had a book coming out and I was in a, um, a Facebook messenger chat with about 14 other authors and we're all freaking out, A, because of COVID, and then B, because we have books coming out and everything is shutting down. And I, more or less as a joke, really, said, well, to help promote, why don't I read the first chapter of your books live on Instagram and Facebook? So there was so much demand. I read 53 days in a row, consecutive weekends. That wow. Every day, every day. Because we were all at home, we were all we were all in lockdown. I remember three years ago, that's what it what it looked like. And then Hank asked me if I was going to continue, and I wasn't because Sister Dear was coming out, and I needed to write another book. And reading every day really was pretty intense. And she suggested that we share the workload and read twice a week, which we did for another almost two years. And then, as of January, this January 2023, we dropped to once a week every Tuesday. And tomorrow will be episode 334. <laughs> wow, there you go. Yeah, so I'm, I'm definitely present on, on social media, but I, am, I have a TikTok account, but I don't use it. And you will never, ever catch me posting a dance video on TikTok. Of that I can <laughs> oh, come on. Nope. Come on. Not get happening. in there. Get, get with it. Nope. Come on. You first. <laughs> I, I do it all the time. You <laughs> I have my dog. I walk my dog in the morning down the road, and we look at people's houses, and and we, and I post that on TikTok. But do you dance? Uh, no, because <laughs> I'm walking. I, I can't. I can't walk and chew gum at the same time. <laughs> Never mind dance. But the dog dances. How's that? Oh, all right then. But I'm still not doing it. <laughs> No. Oh well. If you do, you interact with read, uh, readers, as in, like, you look at um, 
let's say reviews and things when people say things are you do you do you take that to heart or do you are you the writer that doesn't look at any of the reviews i used to read every review every single one um and now now i don't i i read reviews i think if i'm having a oh my gosh nothing's working today my writing sucks and i'm never going to write anything good again then I'll, I'll hop and have a look at, at some five-star reads to, to bolster my confidence that, yeah, 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 you, you know, you've been in this situation before when you say it's the worst thing you've ever written and then two months later it's the best thing you've ever written, so get a grip, woman. Um, but I don't, I don't, no, I don't, I don't go and read, you know, the one stars and two stars because I write books and... People read my work and some people like it, some people don't, and some are indifferent. And when I read books, I'm the same. I don't like every book I read. I don't enjoy every movie or TV show I watch. I don't like every song I hear. Why would it be any different for my novels? Having said that, I don't really need to go and read about how people hate my stuff. <laughs> right. Well, I always hunt them down myself. <laughs> well, they might end up on my list, see. So, yes. You know, it's for yeah. their own protection, really. <laughs> Witness protection. <laughs> well, that's just crazy. So what's next? Where are you going now? After the, the revenge list and, and that's all done. So what is Hannah going to be up to? Well, I have a romantic comedy, a holiday romantic comedy, publishing in September uh, as Holly Cassidy. So not as Hannah Mary McKinnon, because that would be really confusing, because it, it's a very sweet, light-hearted rom-com set in Maple Falls, which is a fictional town in Colorado. It's a, a lovers, uh, a enemies to lovers. Should they actually be lovers to enemies? That might be fun. But it's an enemies to lovers <laughs> um, story um, just for, for the holidays, for Christmas. So that's September 26th, but as Holly Cassidy. And then I have my rise and violent demise of the all-female pop rock group story. Don't have a title yet for that one, but I suspect that will publish uh, in the spring of 2024. That one's done. Line edits are done. Um, I'm just working on a couple of couple of behind-the-scenes things, and so now I'm I'm working on my rom-com for 2024 and thinking about the plot for the thriller after the pop rock one. So never a dull moment. <laughs> no, no. Sounds like it. <laughs> I'm sure the Spice Girls will be happy. Ah, actually, year. I mentioned the Spice Girls, funnily enough. <laughs> I, do, I do mention them in, in the uh, pop rock one. That's the first group I think about when you say all-female. And I should think there's others for sure, but that's just for some reason the Spice Girls come to my mind yeah yeah i guess they're more pop than rock but there's a there's a brilliant band called the beaches from the beaches in the toronto area and they're they're all female you've got you've got you've got the bangles you know from the 80s yeah oh yeah and there's right the go-go's yeah. and there, there was tons yeah. of female yeah. bands and performers but i just mm -hmm. i just think of the spice girls for some reason yeah yeah definitely well know. they were the epitome of cool in the mid-90s <laughs> yeah, that's probably, that's my time, right? The 90s. It's all past now, so it just doesn't matter. Really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you. It's been a very good conversation, and we enjoyed having you, and hopefully you come back. Um, maybe it's Holly. So do you, you picked Holly Cassidy, so why, why do you have two separate names for that? Do you... Like, is there a particular method to your badness there? Uh, yeah, there is, actually. So we, we wanted to have two distinct names because otherwise, if people see this cutesy cover with, a, with a, um, you know, two people on it and a dog in the background and, and, and it's called the Christmas Wager, and they see Hannah Mary McKinnon and they pick it up because it says Hannah Mary McKinnon and nobody dies, that it, it might create a lot of confusion. So we thought we'd have a completely different name, um, and we chose Holly Cassidy. I, I was going to go for something um, HMM to, to keep the Hannah Mary McKinnon, um, but right. we decided that we'd have two names and, and we, with the publisher, and we really liked Holly, and Cassidy came up as well. And if anyone sees my, my photograph, this is the logic behind it. Holly, because, well, it's very festive, it's very Christmassy, uh, Cassidy uh, actually means curly-headed. If anyone sees my profile picture, they'll oh, know yeah. why. 
Uh, and HC <laughs> is Happy Christmas, so it all tied in beautifully. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It, 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 yeah. it counterbalances. What was really funny after I'd finished writing The Christmas Wager, people fall in love and there's a happily ever after and all that, I was really ready to kill off some fictional people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can only take so much of that nice stuff. <laughs> the Hannah Mary comes out, yes. Yeah, exactly, my alter ego. She's saying, okay, let's kill all of the people in the pop rock group or whatever. So, And actually, oh, that yeah. one's probably my darkest, the uh, the pop rock group one. So oh, no coincidence, probably. Oh, well, that's good. I think that, um, I think it's a good idea. I'm considering that with my fiction stuff being oh, a different name than... Um, than my true crime. I, I just, and nonfiction, I, I, you know, something that's been on my mind as I'm working through this right now. So anyway. I think it's, it, it's interesting to have a, um, I mean, it's challenging of course, but I, I found that it gives me, especially when I write dark, the darker stuff and darker characters and then I switch to a rom-com, it's just, it, it, it makes me laugh and it's fun and it's happy and then I can go back to to writing crime so it's turned out to be a really good balance um so i, I highly yeah, recommend it yeah. my yeah. fiction and non-fiction both death and destruction so it's my name yeah <laughs> he's just he's just pure evil so. <laughs> well hannah um so now of course we'll have your website up and and your social media so people can find you, Thank you. and your book the revenge list and it's been it's been oh we didn't get your do you still have icq no <laughs> no, I don't. No, because it still oh. exists, and I I found the love of my life, so I'm set. I'm good. Well, yeah, I know. I doubt that that stuff's around. You know, it's all gone now. You know? <laughs> anyway, well, thank you. Our guest has been Hannah Marie McKinnon. Nice speaking with you, Hannah. Thank you both so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. You've been listening to the House of Mystery Radio Show. To find out more about our guests, hosts. All shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Yeah. Good night. This is a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.